Welcome to Guided Way Ministries with Pastor Alan Rogers. In a fast-growing cold world, this message offers you the bread of life and an opportunity to drink from the fountain of living water. In this message, you will hear only the truth, and if you do not want to listen to it, turn it off. If you are hungry for revelation in the Word of God, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, if you are looking to be spiritually uplifted, be willing to listen, and listen with all your attention. For what you will hear in this message is not carnal, but spiritual. We hope you are blessed, edified, and fully rejuvenated in your spirit to continue with everyday life. Jesus is real. There is no other God. There is no other name among men where we should be saved. Jesus is real. We could see the world. We could see our problems. But when we think and call upon the name of Jesus, he is real. It's the peace of heart that we feel inside is because of Jesus. The love that we have is because of Jesus. The compassion that we have is because of Jesus. Our lives are because of Jesus. He is real. Is real. Jesus is real. Today we're going to be talking about a story about this man that Jesus loved and his name was Lazarus. And this man, Jesus loved him and he loved his two sisters, Mary and Martha. But this man, Lazarus, got sick one day. And that's what we're going to talk about today, about this man named Lazarus. But the one that went, his name is Jesus. And there is no sickness, there is no death, there is no problem, there is no nothing that can stop Jesus from going to you if you just call him. His name is Jesus. We're going to be reading out of the book of John, the 11th chapter starting at the third verse. Then we'll be going to Luke 15, 4 through 7, Matthew 13, 5 through 6, Ezekiel 36, 26 through 28, Matthew 8, 8-13, 2 Corinthians 3, 15-17, and Revelation 3, 19-22. Let us rise. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for another day. Thank you, my God, for this opportunity to be in the house of the Lord one more time. Thank you, my God, for the heart that you have given each and every one of us to be in the house of the Lord. My Father, remembered all those that did not make it today, my God. Remember those wherever they are at. Lord, if it is sickness that has kept them home, Lord, send your angels and heal them in the name of Jesus. Lord, if it is just a stubbornness that they are not here, send your angels and rebuke the stubbornness in the name of Jesus. Lord, no matter what the situation is, why they are not here, Lord, send your angels and communicate with them, my God, that they will be able to go to the house of God one more time in the name of Jesus. Lord, don't let me say anything that I'm not supposed to say. My Father, but let me preach through the power of the precious Holy Ghost and nothing more or nothing less. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. In the book of John, the 11th chapter, beginning at the third verse, it says, Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, 
Behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Sometimes we go through something, and I can imagine that Jesus is looking and saying that problem is not that bad. It's not that big of a situation, but if Jesus was to come and help us as soon as something small happened, we would never know how big God really is. We would never know what power he really has if he was to come and solve every single little problem. But when he sees that we have a problem and he does not help us right away, that problem seems to escalate. It seems to get bigger and bigger. And because we don't see Jesus moving, sometimes we go try to do things on our own and we make bad matters even worse because we cannot fix a problem without Jesus. But he just watches sometimes to see what we will do. And the problem begins to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then when Jesus does help, we know that there is nothing impossible for him. We know that every day he can do anything. We know that our biggest problem is nothing for God to handle. This man Lazarus, he was sick and Jesus said, it's not unto death. It's not that bad of a sickness, but I'm not gonna go heal him, I'm gonna wait. So Jesus waited on purpose. He waited until Lazarus died. He could have went, he wasn't that far away, but he didn't on purpose. So just because we might face a situation and we cry out to God and he doesn't seem to answer, don't give up because he's letting it happen for a reason. And when he moves, the movement will be so big, you can't give no glory to anybody but God. See, when the children of Israel, they were stuck. And they had sinned against God, they had rebelled against God, and they served Baal, and they made themselves altars, and they worshipped them, and God got angry and sold them to the enemy. But one day, God raised up Gideon to go and deliver the children of Israel, and Gideon gathered a whole multitude. But God said, that's too many people. Let's see what's going on. The Midianites, I believe it was. They were so many, the Bible says that they were like the sand of the sea. They were thousands of the Midianites. And then when Gideon gathered his army, it wasn't even half as big as the Midianites. And God still said, that's too many. And so Gideon sent away a lot of them and he had 10,000 left. And Jesus said, that is still too many because if I deliver you, then you're gonna say that you did it yourself. But if I do something that is impossible, you cannot say that you did it. You have to give me the glory. So he said, take these men and let them drink the water. And at the end of the test, only 300 were chosen. And you're going up against a multitude that is without number. They said, the Bible says that their camels were as much as the sand that is by the sea. They were innumerable. That army was huge. And he said, with these 300, that's how I'm going to deliver you. 
So when we have a problem in the sight of God, it's nothing. In the sight of God, there is no problem that is so big till he panics or that he needs a bigger host. He doesn't need that. Your problem can be like the sand and the sea. It can be as big as the ocean and he only needs you to believe. That's all he needs. He doesn't need an army. He doesn't need a big host. He just wants you to believe and let him do what he does. The Bible says those 300 went down and he destroyed all of the Midianites in one night because they believed that the God that they served was bigger than their enemies. That's all we got to do today is believe that the God that we serve is bigger than our enemies. We're going to jump down to verse 38. In verse 38, it says, Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. We're going to go to Luke 15, 4 through 7. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he was one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he has found it, he leads it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Now, although Jesus let this situation escalate until Lazarus died, he still left everybody he was preaching to, to go to this man Lazarus. He told his disciples, let's go. And the disciples said, they tried to kill you and you want to go back to over there. And he wasn't worried about himself. He wanted to go and go to Lazarus. No matter what you're facing, Jesus will go to you if you call him. Now, the beautiful thing about this is Lazarus couldn't call Jesus. He was dead. There was no way he could believe. There was no way he could cry out. There was no way he could pray. He was dead. But the thing is that Jesus does not only listen to someone that is alive and, and then they die and he doesn't listen to them no more. He listens to someone that will pray. See, somebody was praying for Lazarus. His sisters went and tried to get Jesus. You can go and get Jesus to help your own friends and family when they seem to be dead spiritually or when they seem to have a heart of stone. You can be the one that goes and gets Jesus for them. Lazarus couldn't get Jesus. He was dead and there was a stone that was on the grave's mouth. But when somebody went to get Jesus he stopped what he was doing to go and listen to their need. Jesus will go and listen to your needs. If you have a friend or family or a loved one or whatever, it doesn't matter who it is. If you go and get Jesus, he will stop what he's doing to see what you want and to help and be a very present help in the time of trouble. That person doesn't need to know Jesus. That person doesn't even have to have faith. You can have faith and go get Jesus. And when Jesus gets on the scene, things begin to change. What happened when Jesus got to the scene? When Jesus got to the scene, he said, move the stone out of the way. Because when you have a heart of stone, you can't receive what God has for you. You can't listen for what God has for you. We're going to Matthew 15, 5 through 6. 
Some fell upon sunny places where they had not much earth, and forward they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. See, some people, they go to church and they feel the power of God and they rejoice in the Lord and then they walk away. But because they have a heart of stone, they go back to the same thing that they were doing and it looks like they never change. Because they have a stony heart and they don't get root, rooted and grounded in Christ. So they go to church, they jump for joy, they know that God is real. They leave the church and they go right back to what they were doing because they have a heart of stone. But let me tell you something, Jesus doesn't care about a heart of stone. He is a God that can change anything. He's a God that can fix anything. So although somebody may have a heart of stone, if you don't don't have a heart of stone and you believe and you continue to pray for that person. When Jesus went to Nazareth, the first thing he saw was a stone, but he first gave a commandment, move the stone out of the way so he can go to anybody and say, move the stone out of the way. There's nothing too hard for Jesus. This world might look twisted, it might look bad, but I know a guy, and his name is Jesus, that when he gets to that person, he can give a commandment to move the stony heart away, and it will be done. And then they can receive what God has in store. We're going to Ezekiel 36, 26 through 28. And no heart also will I give spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and ye shall keep my judgments and do them and ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and ye shall be my people and I will be your God. See he said you I will take the stony heart and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will pour my spirit upon you and then you can go back and do what you were doing no he said and then you can walk in the land that I gave your fathers you can walk in the old path he said search for the old path and when you find it walk therein but when Jesus gets done fixing you up you're not going to want to go back to the old ways because you will be clean you will be new he will pour his spirit out upon you and you will want to walk in the laws of God. You will have a desire to walk in a new life. You will have a desire to be obedient to the commandments of God. It doesn't matter who it is. All we got to do is go get Jesus. That's all we got to do. They might look stubborn. They might act stubborn. They might be rebellious. They might not even want God. But if you go and get Jesus, when Jesus is on the scene, they don't have a choice. Lazarus didn't have a choice. He was coming up anyway. And when Jesus brings you up out of the darkness into his marvelous light, you don't have that choice. Now, you do have a choice to stay there. But when Jesus calls you, you don't have a choice but to answer. You have to go when Jesus calls you. Now, whether you stay or not, that is your choice. He gives us that choice because we're not robots and he lets us make decisions. But when he calls you, you don't have that choice. You will go. 
And when he gives a commandment to move that stony heart, it will be done. He said, my word doesn't come back to me void. And when he gives that commandment, it will be done. Move the stone. And it had to be moved. And then he said, I'm going to take away your stony heart. And I'm going to give you a heart of death. Not because of our goodness, but for his great name's sake of how much he loves us. He's not willing that we should perish. He said, it doesn't please me because you burned. It doesn't bring me joy because you get punished. What brings God joy is when his children repent and follow him. That brings God joy. It doesn't bring him joy because he's punishing people that are sinning against him. That actually grieves him because he died for us. He loves us. So he wants us to make it in. We're going to Matthew 8, 8 through 13. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worried that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth. And to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you, that many shall come from the east and west, and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into other, into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. See, sometimes Jesus doesn't have to go to your house. He can speak the word only, and things will happen. We might be way over here and know somebody that is way across the world. But if we believe and we go get Jesus, he can speak the word and it will be done. He doesn't need to walk into your house. He could just talk and it will be done. He doesn't need to even be around you if he just speaks the word. It will be done. We have a God that is unlimited in power. We have a God that whatever he says will happen. He said, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. And Jesus didn't even go into the tomb. He didn't go into the tomb. We're going to read. Go on down to, we'll just read 39 again. And Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead for four days. Jesus saith unto her, said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I know that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he, had, and when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. 
you know it doesn't matter what happened or what the situation is. Sometimes we look at our family members or we look at our friends or we even look at the world and we say inside, you know what, they have sinned so bad until it is impossible for God to save them. But let me tell you something, if they have not blasphemed the Holy Ghost, it is not impossible for God to save somebody. They said by this time he stinks. He's been dead for four days. It is impossible for him to get back up. But what did Jesus say? Only believe. That's all you got to do is believe. It doesn't matter how long they've been sinning. It doesn't matter how far they went. It doesn't matter how bad they've been. If they have not blasphemed the Holy Ghost, they can be saved. Jesus cried with a loud voice and said, Lazarus, come forth. And although he was bound, and we are bound by the cords of our own sin, when Jesus calls you, you have no choice but to answer. And that man got up and came out of that tomb. He was still bound, but he came to Jesus when Jesus called him. It doesn't matter how tight up you are. If Jesus calls you, you will have a chance to go and answer. And then he gave the commandment to lose him, to take away the cords of sin, to take away everything that was bounding him. The napkin represents something that covers you up. It was a design to cover the face of somebody so that people wouldn't be disturbed when they saw the dead person. Nowadays, they have a lot of embalming and going on, but sometimes back then they didn't have all that. They could embalm you, but they would still cover the face because it look, doesn't look like it does today. But if they would preserve you. Nowadays, they do makeup and all of this, and they make you almost look like you really didn't die. I mean, they're very good at what they do. But back then, they didn't have all the makeup that we got now. And so they would put this napkin, it was called a napkin that they would bind your faith with, and it was to separate the dead from the living. But when Jesus is on the, on the scene, he says, take away that veil because he is no more dead. When Jesus died and when he rose, the napkin was placed by itself. He was not dead. He is alive. The napkin was by itself. He said, there is no more separation. You are not dead. You can live when Jesus calls you. And they got that man, and the Bible says they untied him, and he was loosed. There is no problem, there is no situation that God cannot handle. God can fix anything. He can heal anything. He can do whatever he wants to do. All he says is just believe. Believe in me, and I can do anything. He said, the only thing that I won't do is blaspheming against the Holy Ghost. I won't forgive you in this world, and I won't forgive you in the one to come. But anything outside of that, there is no such thing is too bad of a person. Because then that would mean that God's power was limited. But there's not. It doesn't matter how bad we are. God can fix anything. He can heal anything. Jesus is what we need. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came forth. And then he said, loose him and let him go. And Lazarus, they loosed him and he let him go. We're going to 2 Corinthians 3, 15 through 17. But even at this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. See, when Jesus went to that tomb, 
There was a covering, there was a veil, there was a napkin upon that man. But the Bible says that when you turn to the Lord, the veil will be taken away. A veil was a separation to separate the holies from the most holy. It was a separation that only the high priest could go in there. But where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. When Jesus called Lazarus, come forth, there was liberty. He didn't have to stay in that dark tomb anymore. And then when he gave the commandment to loose him and let him go. That veil had to be taken away. You could preach to people these days and you could pray for people, but they have a veil around their heart and they do not want to accept the truth. They are separating themselves from the truth because a lie is more comfortable. A lie is more believable. A lie is more satisfaction. But when Jesus is on the scene, if he calls you, you have no chance but to answer. And when Jesus calls you, he will move that veil off your heart. And when you turn to the Lord and the veil is gone, you will be able to receive what God has in store for you. You will be able to say, yes, this is the truth and the truth will make you free. When Jesus was on the scene, you cannot stay in darkness because the darkness has to flee. You know, Jesus didn't go in that tomb because that tomb is designed for darkness. And if Jesus would have walked in that tomb, there would be no such thing as darkness in that tomb. And probably everybody that was buried would have got up. But he couldn't because you cannot put light in darkness. It doesn't mix. So he let the tomb be the tomb. But he can call you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He doesn't have to be there. See, if he would have walked in that tomb, then every tomb would have had light. And it wasn't time for everybody to come up. So he didn't go in there. And sometimes it's not time for everybody to be saved, but he'll call the ones that are supposed to be saved. He's not going to walk into the tomb. He's going to call them out of the tomb. He don't need to go. He can speak the word and the word will make you free. And when he is there, you have liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is, you have liberty. That man was free. They loosed him. And he was good to go. He was free because of the commandment of the Lord. Jesus never touched him. Jesus didn't unloose him. Jesus didn't do everything, anything physically. He just gave the word. That same word is what we have today. The same word. See, people are looking for God to do some big miracle and to come down and to, to lay his hands on you and then and you get all this freedom and then he don't do that all the time. Sometimes he will, but he don't do that all the time. But what he did say is, I will give you the same word that I used to call him out. I will give it to you. And all you got to do is read it. And when you read it, this word will seep down in your heart and the darkness has to flee. And then you can be a light to the world because Jesus will shine through you. We're going to go to Revelation 3, 19 through 22. As many as I love, I will keep you chasing. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I send to the door knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. You know, when God frees us, don't put that veil back. Because you can see sometimes when people have a veil on their heart, you can see. And they hear the truth. 
and they right away start trying to defend it. Well, I'm gonna rationalize. That's not what that means. And you could you could see that they start trying to defend and 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 make occasion of why it is okay. And I don't need to hear that. I, I this is okay. And you could see that veil. But when Jesus moves that veil, he says, "I rebuke everyone that I choose." So when God begins to rebuke you, don't put the veil and don't let him rebuke you. Let him tell you what's right and wrong. Let him rebuke you. Let him chasten you. Let him get you ready because he said, I do that to the ones that I love. The ones that I choose, this is what I do. I correct them. I chasten them. I rebuke them. Why? Because we're not going to walk every single day perfect in the sight of God. It's, we're going to make mistakes. But if God loves us, he's going to say, that was wrong. That was a mistake. Don't do that again. But if he doesn't love us, he's going to let us just, it doesn't matter. Go do whatever you want to do. And we're going to get worse and worse and worse and farther and farther out. But when he loves us and he has called us, he rebukes us. And he chastens us if we're not listening because he loves us. So when we don't listen, he chastens us. He gives us a little spanking. Don't do that again. And if we put the veil and say, no, that's I, I can do this. Everybody else is, I'm not going to listen. I don't have to listen. That's just putting a veil on our own heart. But he already moved it once. How many times he'll move it? I don't know. It doesn't say. But I do know that we all have a chance for him to move it once. And when he moves it, which I believe he moves it when before you even get baptized, because if you still have that veil and didn't want to know the truth, you wouldn't want to get baptized. You wouldn't have that desire to get baptized because you would still be rejecting the truth. But once Jesus sees that you said, Lord, I do want to get to know you and he moves that veil, you have a desire to run for the Lord. But now let us not put it back. Let us keep it away and run after the truth and seek the Lord with everything that we have. Because when Jesus is there, there is liberty. We are not bound by anything. We are not stuck behind anything. We are not walking in darkness. We can see. We can hear. We can rejoice when we have Jesus. Let him be the king of our lives. Let him run the show. When he walked to that tomb, Lazarus had no idea that Jesus was there. So when we're praying for our loved ones and our families and then our friends, they have no idea who's praying for them. But let me tell you something Jesus hears. And when he hears the cries of his children, he will go to the person that we are praying for. And when he calls that person, they don't have a choice but to answer. And when he looses them and he takes away the veil, they will have that chance to receive everything that Jesus has for them. Because God loves us that much that he gave his son to die for us. And now Jesus has that kind of power and authority. And he can say the word and it will be done. But it starts with us. Because there's some people that are bound that they can't get out. There, there's some people that are so stuck they can't change. Not that they don't want to change, it's that they cannot change. They are tied up so bad and the devil has them bound so bad they cannot move. But we can go and get help. We can go and get Jesus. And when Jesus comes to the scene, he can demand that that stone be moved. And when the stone is moved, he can call forth. And when he calls forth, he can set free. And when he sets free, you are free indeed. We can go get Jesus. 
We don't need to look at these people and say, oh man, you guys need Jesus. Yeah, they do, but we can go get him. Because some people don't know Jesus. Some people don't know the power of God. Some people don't know how good God is. They take him as a joke. They think it's funny if you say, I'm going to church. Well, good for you. They have no idea what they're missing out on. But that doesn't mean that we can't say, Jesus, they need you too. They need you too. Mary and Martha got Jesus. He tarried on purpose. So if we go and we pray and we try to get Jesus to help somebody, just because he tarries a little bit, don't give up. Don't stop praying. Don't stop believing. Don't stop trusting. Don't stop asking. Just because he tarries a little while, he's doing it for the better good. Because when he does something, he likes to make a scene. He likes to do it so big until you have no choice but to say, Jesus did this. Jesus did this. It was impossible. It couldn't be done. But Jesus made it happen. So just, just because we might struggle a little bit, or it looks like Jesus isn't answering, don't give up. Stay strong and let Jesus come to the scene. And when he gets there, things have to change. Things, it is impossible for things to remain the same when Jesus is standing right there. It's impossible. Lazarus, he had to come forth, and he was freed. And after three days, they, they say, this is a theology thing. This is not written in the Bible, but this is science. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say theology. I should say science. That's where the term graveyard came from. Because they would see people passed out and they would bury the person thinking the person was dead. And then the person wasn't dead. So they would put a little bell in the coffin so that when the people came to, they could ring the bell. Like, hey, I'm not dead. And then the person would go and dig them up and let them go. Because they didn't have the whole test and all that they, they got right now and people would get so drunk and so plastered or whatever they would do so they look like they were dead and so they would bury them and then come to find out they buried a lot of living people and uh, so they would put that bell so that they couldn't hence the name graveyard kings because they were working at night in the graveyard that's where that name came from the graveyard shift so they say that after you're in the grave for three days it's impossible to still be alive. So Jesus waited for four days so that they cannot say that, oh, well, he probably wasn't dead. He came to, it was three days. He probably wasn't all the way dead. So he waited four days and they said by this time he stinks. It is impossible for him to come back. Jesus waits until you have no other choice but to give him the glory. He waits till it is impossible for you to do it on your own. And so then he said, now I can go because it's four days. They cannot blame this on science. I raised this man from the dead. That's why the Jews wanted to kill Lazarus, because they knew that Jesus had done a miracle that was impossible. So they sought not only to kill Jesus, but they wanted to kill Lazarus again, because he was spreading this rumor of what Jesus had done. 
He was talking about the goodness of the Lord and how he was bound in grave clothes and began to testify. And they didn't want that because it made Jesus more real. And they didn't want Jesus to be real. But just because you don't want Jesus to be real, doesn't make him unreal. You can cover whatever you want to cover, but Jesus is still real. When he rose from the dead, they paid the soldiers to say that they saw the disciples steal him. That is just sad. But that's how much they were trying to conceal the truth. But how many know that nobody can conceal the truth? Although they paid the soldiers, Jesus still spread it so fast, so much, till today, people still believe. Even the ones that say they don't believe, they still know. They act like they don't, but they still know inside that Jesus is real. The only religion that they're really trying to get rid of is the one that talks about Jesus. You can go anywhere and talk about Buddha and any other religion you want, and they don't care because there is not power in those religions. But go somewhere and use the name Jesus, and the devil has to start moving, and he begins to try to shut you up. Don't speak the name of Jesus because that one is real. Buddha's not real. It's a little statue. You know, all of these other religions, they don't have the same power because Jesus is the power. All the power belongs to him. So people don't care what you say. Any religion, you go to any store, any school, any religion, anywhere, and speak about a religion and people don't care. Oh, bring Jesus. Bring Jesus trying to start shutting you up, making fun of you because the devil gets scared. At the name of Jesus, everyone will bow. There's power in the name of Jesus. Just let's not, let's not give up just because Jesus takes some time. He's only doing it so that when he does move, everybody will know who did it. Everybody will know. Saints, hold on. Keep with the Lord. Let him remove this, the veil, the grave clothes, whatever it is. If there's anything that we don't need, let him move it. Let him chasten us. Let him correct us. And at the end, we will hear those famous words that we long to hear. Well done, my good and faithful son. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. The altar is open. If anyone needs prayer, just come up.
to do uh, to lead us into the, all the truth uh, in the name of Jesus uh, that the chains uh, will be broken in the name of Jesus uh, Lord that you will set the captive free uh, that you will loose the minds of the prisoners uh, that you will open up the gates uh, in the name of Jesus Lord I thank you and I praise you my God listening to this message as I hope it has been a blessing to you. Our goal is to show you the path of life and an opportunity of a lifetime. It is Christ's love and support that makes this opportunity possible. Please visit Guided Way Ministries online for more products, partnership, or to join. Visit us on Anchor to become a listener supporter. May God bless you. May he keep you. May he shine his face always upon you and may he forever keep you 